0: following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One.
1: Springtime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine and More. Every bunny loves honey glazed carrots, a great side dish for your springtime celebration and a delicious compliment to a sweet, bright Moscato. Your Bloody Mary bar will be the talk of brunch with the vodka I'm stalking. Pile those toppings sky high. Serving lamb this season? Try it with a bold Cabernet from the Trendy Paso Robles region. Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, Total Wine & More has you covered with 8,000 wines, 3,000 spirits, and 2,500 beers at always low prices. Cheers!
0: Welcome to another edition of Forbes Sports Money Podcast. This is your host, Mike Ozanian, and it's my great pleasure and honor today to have Sonny Vaccaro, uh, the pioneer in shoe marketing at the college level, the history of... College apparel deals is of keen interest to me, and, and of course, it's blossomed into a huge, huge industry the past decade or so. We see these huge school-wide deals. Uh, So let's start with, you know, obviously the biggest news over the past week or so has been uh, the U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York announcing that there had been an ongoing two-year covert investigation into corruption within college basketball Resulted in a charging complaint against ten individuals, including four assistant basketball coaches, a sports agent, a financial planner, uh, a high-ranking executive at Adidas. Uh, we got Arizona, Auburn, Oklahoma State, USC. Supposedly, these people are working at. You know, I kind of feel like you remember Sonny, the, the movie Casablanca with uh, Humphrey Bogart, and and the uh, police captain walks in to the to to Humphrey Bogart's. Uh, uh, place and he says, "Rick, I'm shocked, shocked to find this gambling going on here." You know, and then Peter Laurie walks over to the to the police captain and says, "Excuse me, sir. Here's here's your share of tonight's winnings." You know, um, what, what's your what was your take when when this news broke?
2: Well, I think they, uh, I think the sheriff finally rounded up all the usual suspects. So this, this is how I remember it. You know, last you know last week when I got called five thirty in the morning and. and People told me what had happened, and you know, it just you know, just reflecting on it instantly, I I wasn't sure what they were saying, what, what was, you know, what was uh, you know, exaggeration or what it was. But then after a, a you know, a while, minute or two, and I read the whole complaint, I realized what had happened. The world changed because everyone was in the same room. Not maybe at that minute, but everyone was in the same room during this whatever the trial is going to turn out to be, the conspiracy trial, a defraud trial, whatever it's going to be listed at, Michael. And I said, times have changed where it went from maybe a coach doing something with an athlete to, you know, to a booster doing something with an athlete to what, the whole, what I perceive to be the gist of this case, the financial world and the amateur world finally being joined together at the hip. And this has been my argument uh, for, for a long time in behalf of, on behalf of the athletes, is everyone's in this together, and the people who had the most to gain are the financial world and the universities and the athletes are actually last so everyone was in the same room i i wasn't shocked i was only shocked that uh, that they got them and then obviously the last the last line you know when it sunk in the federal government's involved which was not a you know the ncaa enforcement thing which is nothing other than uh, a pretend thing that something actually is being done to to really know what does happen on that level. So that was my thing. I was shocked by the enormity of it. I was shocked by, you know, the federal government putting your nose in it now.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm not an attorney, but the gist of this seems to be that uh, Adidas, the huge sports apparel company, is being accused of uh, siphoning money to high school basketball players. So that in order to get them to go to certain colleges or to use certain financial planners and with the hopes that these players would then turn into stars and then either when they were stars in college and then, of course, subsequently stars in professional basketball, they would then uh, endorse these basketball players and these basketball players you know, would wear Adidas's shoes and therefore that would help adidas sell basketball sneakers Um, and what it's how one of the ways this seems to have changed to me over the years besides the actual enormity of the dollars involved is that uh, as you touched on where it seemed to used to be strictly money for sneakers now you have agents or financial planners involved All these uh, other types of business, any business really related to the future success of a basketball star tied into this, I guess, as the money in sports itself has gotten bigger. Um, Do you think I'm reading this correctly, as best you can tell?
2: The best I can tell, you're, you're, you're reading from the Bible of what happened, Michael. You put together the pieces when it originally started when i paid a coach for nike i paid a coach you know nike didn't write a, a check out uh, to the university or such and such we wrote it to the coach that was my idea my first line out and you know when, when this all started in 77 78 was you pay the coaches the coaches you know at that time weren't making a lot of money all those things being said at the public Knows of now. It was an individual contract, and we expected the coach to get the athletes, the players, to put the shoes on. And that was the simplicity of my original idea. What was there at one time it was devoid of any touching of the university. You didn't see athletic directors, you certainly didn't see school presidents, you didn't see. They allowed it to happen. See, that's been all these years that, you know, when, when I've heard all these stories and the, the persecution of what did happen and the prosecution now of the athletes involved, it always comes back to me. The NCAA was not in this enterprise, whatever it was or wasn't, in 77, 78. But once the money became enormous, they owned it. And they owned it in 1988 when I signed an all-school deal with the University of Miami with Sam Jankowitz and the the president the athletic director the head coach everybody in the university became partners with nike on that day i said it in a thousand conversations and i've been printed all over the country over these years in the sense that that's when it became a legitimate business deal that's when the universities sold their soul because what they did was take the money it was no longer laid out for the coach the university would pay the coach with the money from the shoe company and other things, and take some for themselves to do other departments. I have no idea, and I didn't care. All I know was we owned the university at that time. The bookstore in university was a major seller, and I'll never forget telling uh, the people I for Anfield Knight, "We've made it because now we own the university." So fast forward to you know last week, last month, you know, in two years of investigation. The hardest part they're going to have, Louisville and these other schools, however they're entangled. Okay, the legal thing has to come up. These are the charges. Now, what has happened here is there is a there is a business deal between the university and Adidas in this game. They all signed off. Now, when Adidas and Adidas and Louisville, at this point in time, other people were involved, just so your audience understands, or other people being. You know, How it turns out, I don't know. But we're talking about Louisville and Adidas right now. There was a need for both parties to be successful. Adidas wanted to sell shoes. There's no question. How do you sell shoes? There's no question about that. You put it on celebrities. That works. I've proven that, and, and history has proven that. Louisville wants to get another $180 million contract. What do they got to do? They got to sell. They got to satisfy the people. So what do they do? They become your business partner. So you are, now, you are now part and parcel to whatever goes down. There is no naivety here. You know, Did Bettino on this, this particular individual or those assistant coaches? Or whatever. The only thing I know, somewhere on the contract, the University of Miami had a more higher authority than Rick Bettino and the assistant basketball coach. They want to win so they can satisfy their partners. There's no question about that. This is why this case is so much different then uh, I, I, I see where the government might think that the, the, the NCAA and are, are being harmed here or college sports are being harmed. There's no harm here being done to anybody other than that athlete. Of all the people you, you talked about, Michael, in the first part of this interview, you said the different people who were involved, from the, from the agents, the, you know, the investment guys, every, everybody was in the room. The only thing I know... And I know how it looks to the poly because I've watched it and I've heard it and it upsets me for all these years. The one being damned here, the one that's going to have a hard life going forward, is the 17-year-old athlete that actually was induced and enticed on a recruiting situation to go to Louisville. All the little glory things that go along with it was included in that package. Now, whether this was included in at that time, I have no idea. We'll wait and see what, what they... Fess up! But it's always you know. And the mother went on to say, "Give me the, give me the money, you know, whatever it is." You know, I want to ask you a question here. Everybody that's doing business to get this kid to go to this school or other schools, including the financial advisors, so they can do, it, they're going to make money off this 17-year-old yesterday. Okay, that's they can invest their money. He is a valuable commodity. That kid is valuable not only to play basketball for Louisville, for financial investors, for marketing people. He is the top. He has, at this time, I don't. if they have a zillion dollars, I don't give a damn. But the only thing I know, he was the poorest person in that room. They induced him. So what are we doing now? We're figuring out what is going to happen. This kid can't go to Louisville. He can't go pro because they have an obscene rule there. He can't even go pro. He's looking to see if he can go to Europe or something. But their their name is going to be forever connected with this scandal. You have to understand that. Their name. All these other perpetrators are going to drift out into the... Uh, the beautiful world that we all live in because they're financially set. Now, will somebody go to prison on this because of this government if they're found guilty? I I guess rather than the most idiotic thing I've ever spent in my life is unbelievably watching for all the years I've been involved. The NCAA is immune from anything, but they are the recipient of all the money all the time. They're the only organization that has a self-serving investigative part in their investigative offices. They... They employ the people that investigate the schools that you're going to take away from to play and make money in the bowl games and the final fours and all these things here, and and they are the highest paid people in the room at this time, the NCAA. I mean, so I'm saying to you, this is a this is a coordinated, cohesive plan to involve the athlete to make money. They are business partners. I hope I didn't. Overstate my case here. They're business partners. And that's what stories like yours and every other person that's trying to do it on a financial level. The elephant in the room are the ones who put the pressure on the kids. They're, they're the guys that induce these kids to, to sign things. If no one makes him an offer, he can't take anybody's money. Does anybody? As simple as that. That's street talk.
0: It was just last month, Sonny, that uh, Louisville Athletic Director Tom Jurek announced a 10 year, $160 million sponsorship deal with Adidas. Now, uh, a couple of days later, the uh, university announced that he, too, I say also because head basketball coach Rick Pitino has been apparently fired, was uh, that Jurek, too, was being removed from his position until the board of trustees had an opportunity to evaluate his uh, his status. But the point is, is that there's so much uh, – Uh, from a business level, so much competition for these teams to do well because of the money that's involved and that huge uh, TV deal uh, that the men's basketball tournament has, uh, billions of dollars. So, of of course, because it means a lot of money to the school, but it seems like the NCAA, who sort of pushes all of this with its huge TV deals, then all of a sudden tries to wash its hands of everything, and then, as you pointed out, who gets caught at the end? Really, I mean, at the end of the day, Rick Pitino financially is going to be fine. These executives will probably all be fine financially. Uh, is the kid, the young kid? He's he he potentially is the biggest loser in all of this.
2: And, and that's the, the crux of my argument for all these years. And the irony here: the only group of people that are prohibiting a, a, an honest playing field and nothing, nothing illegal or or bad about it, if the athletes, and we and you know, and your, your, your audience knows, that there's been lawsuits looking for some sort of a, a, a financial agreement with the athlete while he was in school. Not for any other reason that if you took the athlete away, Michael, all these billions of dollars are spent. The games can't be played without these kids. They are the most important element, not some people sitting in Indianapolis, not these university presidents, not anyone else, not the coach. If the coach don't get the players, you you and I should be playing for them because no one's going to watch the games, no one's going to buy the tickets. And more importantly... No one's going to buy ads on TV and make us a trillion-dollar operation. So the athlete is the one that you always remember what happened, and he was the guy that took the to money. And and unfortunately, in the world we live in, it's got in such a racial you know, divide, not just for athletes, for what what, what has happened. You know, I, I, it's not even over time. It's for a long, long time, okay? But these athletes are, in all probability, every time we've talked to one of them or every time something like this happens – the least financially equipped per- people in the world to be in that financial level. I mean, that the, the, the people are inducing them for their own benefit. There has to be, there has to be something to do with the N-Subway. They are, they are a, a selfish group of individuals who have claimed a monopoly by an obscene, they used to try say they were immune to the antitrust, for a, a rule that they conceived not to give these guys, and they call it amateurism. The only thing amateur about it are the people who are perpetrating this myth, talking to the public that listens. The, the public's the amateur, because there's actually a group of people that, for other reasons other than amateurism, probably for you know some sort of a divide of how do these young kids who have no education, who lived on the wrong street, how can they get all this money? What are they going to do? With it? I always hear, what are they going to do with it? Well, if and when some of these guys don't handle their money correctly, the only thing the only thing I always underst- I did never understand is when, when athletes, some athletes do lose their money, okay, but everybody in the world loses their money. The only person that con- controls your money is Bernie Madoff of the world, a supposedly educated human being who goes to the right schools and, you know, believe me because I went to this school, that school, and I'm going to do all this for your money and I'm going to make you as rich as me. The lie starts at the beginning, and the lie started here from Louisville to that Bowen kid in Michigan. The the will be a myth, but it's going to be protected because no one has to pay the main ingredient. And that's the act. You really think that Beyonce and Lady Gaga and, and all the great entertainers of the world, DiCaprio, anybody, what do they have to do first? They have to get the act to go on a stage. And what does the promoter have to do? They have to pay the act. And then what does the public do? They buy tickets for that act. They're buying tickets. For the act of the basketball and football team, it's as simple as that. That no one wants to recognize. The NCAA has no function, no function, in the sense that they can't—they can't even do what. If and when this thing comes to trial, the federal no one's going to jail. You're going to miss a game. You know, we had we had rape and you know we had rape and uh, Baylor. We had great finagling in North Carolina. These weren't the first time these crimes were committed. Nothing ever stopped. The games went on. The games will always go on. The athletes have to be included in a financial breakdown and maybe maybe that will stop a individual or a lot of individuals or no individuals from taking illicit money given to them by the supposedly elite of our country. Give me a break
0: even even beyond just uh, college basketball I mean this doesn 't seem uh, dissimilar to me, Sonny of the whole scandal that went on with FIFA and, and finding there were bribes paid for, you know, the Brazilian uh, soccer team to wear certain uh, branded cleats. I think it was Nike in that case. It, it was uh,
2: definitely Nike that they never... Really got, if you, you don't even want to get down... I, I will get down here. I'm a little bit first in that world. It's all amateur sports. Everyone, everything. The, 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 the FIFA's, the, you know, the Olympic Games you know, kidding me. I'm still remembering the Olympic Games and when they were skating in Colorado when the most high pollutant honorable people in the world were, you know, giving out the points to win the games, win the skating contest. You know, you know, Michael, the hardest problem I have in my lifetime, I've watched this happen, okay? But the public the public's never you know, they they want to root for dear old. They think everything's on the up and up. They're not on the up and up. Russia, like just the games to go to Sochi, and the hundred billion people go there, and it's nothing's good. The Rio games, I mean, that was that was pathetic on the core, the physical capabilities of them doing it. No one give a damn. The games will go on, and who who profit? These 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 people that run it. That we, it's it's it permeates throughout society. The athletes get nothing, and these people, these these. <laughs> Never mind, but but its
0: wrong. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. By now you've heard about the Equifax breach and how it may have impacted approximately 143 million people. These hackers made off with information needed to impersonate you. names, social security numbers, birth dates, addresses. This information can be used to open credit cards, loans, even apply for a mortgage in your name. Now is the time to get protection. Sign up for LifeLock today. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But LifeLock can help you see more than if you're just monitoring your credit. Go to LifeLock.com or call 1-800-LIFELOCK. Use promo code FORBES. That's FORBES for 10% off your LifeLock membership. Visit lifelock.com and save 10% now. Not to take up the whole remainder of the show doing it, but I think it's very, very important to have some historical context. Um, and one of the uh, things in some of the videos I've watched where you've spoken at uh, universities, you, you talk about a little bit about the difference between rules and the law, which I found very, very fascinating. You know, the law sort of being what you will be or could be charged with uh, under the law and penalties or consequences that you would then have to face versus sort of the rules of the game and, and, and what's understood and how the whole process is, if you will. Going along by by the rules, uh, how has it changed since 1977, and, you know, you met with guys like the late, great Jim Valvano and, and Jerry Tarkanian. And, and we're going to these guys and talking to them to sort of through your career to, to where we are today, from your point of view, the evolution here.
2: Well, it started with my, the idea of just outright paying these people. now if you were to examine it and, and, you know, you know, and probably people in your audience, you know, have some sort of opinion on me or not opinion or whatever, not that I'm a giant person, but the point was, I started and I'm in every conversation, but it's like crazy to think that what I did and what Phil Knight did at that time and Rob Strasser, who was my direct boss at that time did was in the open. I didn't hide anything. I didn't, I didn't do what Louisville just did with Adidas today. I, I didn't do that. I said, Jerry, I'm gonna give you five thousand dollars. We're gonna give you a hundred shoes. Put the, put them on the players. They were buying the shoes, so now the kids didn't even have to buy the shoes. That was one good thing for the athlete. But I was allowed to do that. No one said a thing. If you look through me and all the other things, they 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 they, they try to you know figure out who in the hell I was for a long time. But it was a simple business deal that was allowed by by rules and law. I certainly didn't make a break a law because these guys endorsed. You know, cars, every coach, that's where they had a car dealership. They had a restaurant, you know, thing. They could spend a $2,000 restaurant bill. That's what their endorsement fees in the 70s, the greatest names in the sports and the ones that, you know, change this game and around. Absolutely right. Now, we, we we go through the years, and then one time, and they did it. Sam called me. I wasn't bright enough to a man named Rob Ades, who was a Washington labor attorney, who I really didn't know at that time, said, Mr. Vaccaro, you know, Sam Jankovic wants to do, do an all-school deal. I knew right away, instinctively, I've had, if anything in my life, on that side of the world, I have good instincts. Sam was and at knew, Miami, right? Uh, pardon me? Sa- I didn't hear you.
0: I'm sorry. Sam, just so our audience knows, Sam yeah. was at the University yeah, of Jankovic Miami.
2: Sam was, Jankovic was the athletic director. Rob, uh, 80s, graduated from Miami, so he knew everyone there. He was a booster and all that, so he was a lawyer. He calls me. I knew his name, but I didn't know the person. He said, you know, San Diego, would like to talk to you about doing an all-school deal. And I said, what's an all-school deal? He said, an all-school deal is they're going to sign, you make your contract with Sam and the university, and they will give you all of the athletic teams. I said, well, some of them don't have shoes. The swimmers didn't have shoes, and that was a joke, but but those shoes. He said, listen, then we'll put the swoosh on the side, and I'll never forget this. Rob said that. He said, we'll put the swoosh on the side of the pool. When the, when, the, when the swimmers hit the pool, the television cameras will hit that sign, you know, Nike. I thought that was funny and brilliant, but that's what they did. They wanted everything. I knew. Now, I had to power the pen. When I said something, you know, Phil listened to it and Rob listened to it, and every, every coach signed. You know, and through, and through Jordan, I had, you know, the major portion of that, in basketball. And this was an all school deal. By that time, Nike had owned about, um, s- about 70 schools with personal service contracts with the co- coaches. So this, this time now, we got, we got not only Jerry and then we got John Thompson and Sutton. We had everybody. We had the whole damn thing. We started winning championships. Jimmy was the first one in NC State. Go back to the all school deal, okay? We make this. Now they own, they are our partners. The next contract we sent was to Universe Miami and Sam. So that's when the world changed. When they, they themselves induced us, they suggested to me Sam did, in one of the most brilliant moves ever. They were our partners, Michael. And for all the people listening to the show, let's put this in a business perspective. They opened their arms up to what I thought of doing individually. So they can share in the money. All this BS over the years, and you know, I did this, or Nike did that, or I worked for all three damn companies. You know, it, it, was a, it was a proven thing. You, know, you, get, you get a star, and you just start running movies. You still keep making the same records with the same people. They don't get new people every day, and that's what we did. That's what I did. Every time I went on, I got new stars. Every time the company we represented I got new schools. They were our partners. So this whole thing today comes down to one thing. They are the partners or the perpetrators to, get, to induce the athlete. Nothing else can be said. That's the answer.
0: Now, you know, it's funny. As, as a kid in the late 70s, uh, mid, to, mid to late 70s, you know, I remember kind of like Converse was the big brand. You know, it, Converse sneakers were the things. And it, it's sort of like then I remember uh, maybe it was the early 70s. And then uh, Walt Frazier, the Knicks, you know, the Knicks had a great team then. And I think, uh, I think Puma was, was his brand. And so everyone started to wear Puma. That was sort of, in my mind, my recollection, sort of the first sort of brand recognition of basketball shoes uh, going towards the high end uh, uh, at that time. But Converse, if I recall correctly, they used to indirectly pay coaches, if you will, in college because they'd basically say, take you and your wife, you know, go to this camp or, or go to this place, you know, they they the uh basketball Converse would pay them to take for for the coaches to take this trip, sort of, and then, you know, with the hopes to college. I think like North Carolina was a huge school that way with Converse and they'd wear the shoes. Um I think at that point you sort of became the first one to say, Well hey, wait a minute, you know, if you, you go to Phil Knight you say, you knew because for through your basketball camp what shoes kids really wanted to wear, what they really liked and that, and that's when you went to Phil Knight and said, "Look, I, I've got the sneakers that, that these kids like." Is that, is that correct?
2: Well, we—I brought some ones of my Italian shoemaker to Phil Knight. That's how I got involved. I never went there thinking I was going to work with them. And we had these designs the kids told me about when I was running camps. And Bobby made, and I brought them to that. I went out there. It was exactly you explained it correctly. The funny thing about it, you know, Converse, and this is going back to the history in this. This particular field and most things in business, Michael, and you know this, and your audience know what I'm talking about. They owned everything because there was no competition. But they did the same thing I did. They just wanted to make it cleaner than what I did. I did the obvious thing. What the hell am I going through third party? I gave enough money to take their wife on vacation for themselves. That's what I basically did. They didn't have to go speak at a clinic or some damn thing. What is the same way you transfer money, but the way commerce did it. They, they cleaned it up. They got, you know, Phil snapped the soap and they made it really clean so there was no germs on it, okay? That goes back to another era, doesn't it? But but my point here is they owned it. It was like they owned it. They owned every – you didn't have a shoe. And then you got Clyde. Clyde was the first inkling. He was the first guy to sell a shoe because he was Clyde. Well, that was Jordan eventually, in, you know, a few years later. I mean,
0: we had actually
2: – you know, athletes who were celebrities, and Clyde. And the good thing about Clyde, he was in a perfect borough, right? He was in Manhattan. He was in Brooklyn. Right. I mean, that 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 helped. If he'd have been in, uh, you know, San Antonio, Texas, I don't know if anybody would would have worn the Ford Coach or Puma. But the personality sold it. That's what my idea was. The personality was this coach and these players, and they had everything. They just did it to, to make it clean. I used to have words, you know, you know, considering what doing. They were always the clean guy. I was always, you know, and by innuendo and or whatever, it was, because maybe I was the Italian kid from Pittsburgh in the 70s wasn't supposed to think. Well, tricked them, I thought.
0: How did you get Michael Jordan on board? Um, how, did, how did that whole deal go down, Sonny?
2: It, it was the easiest thing I ever did in my life. I mean, I, I was never involved in pro basketball, either with Nike at that time in 84. They had pros wearing it, but no one gave a damn about pro basketball in the 70s and 80s. You know, we had a meeting, the hierarchy the uh, Mikey invited four or five people. The first time in my life I was ever invited to a meeting, not including uh, the college teams. They asked everybody in the room what, who they wanted, that they were going to sign an athlete and, and, do, and do something no one ever did. That was all their idea. Peter Moore and Rob Strasser and Phil Knight. And they asked me, and I was in there with people who made more money and had a bigger position than I did. They asked me a question about well this is what we have x hundred thousand dollars we're going to sign some pros this year and at that time it wasn't a lot of money and they wanted to give the i think it was five hundred thousand dollars or 250 it might have been total somewhere in that that frame i can't honestly remember all these years and um and and they said we'll give it to three guys and barkley was in there john stockton it was four or five hall of fame guys it was a great 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 class and sam Bowie at that time he was still wasn't injured and he was going to play in portland because we knew what the draft thing was and so all these people and i said out of clear blue sky they, they asked that question if i wasn't sitting there the world changes give it all to the kid and i didn't refer to jordan's name i actually said the word kid and he said uh, who what do you mean i said give it to jordan give it to the kid from north carolina and they said well okay he'll be one of the three i said no give him all the money and michael as god is my judge no matter what anybody tries to say, that's exactly how it happened. There was no, there was no rebuttal. And after a while, they gave it all to the kid. I signed Michael because I saw him play against Georgetown. I loved Georgetown. He did one of the most incredible things I've seen. And I, he didn't go to my All-Star games. I never met him before. He didn't go to my camps or weren't really camps at that time even. So I had no connection with Tim. It was a North Carolina school. You know, they wore Converse. He loved Adidas didn't even know what Nike was in fact a lot of people at that time called him Nicky okay so now all these things happen and they, and they listen to me in the world and again the world changed I did it because I had this instinctive feeling no other no other reason I I, I wasn't coach I didn't know if he could bounce pass or I just knew he was he was something and I knew it by watching that game and and then him doing at the end of the game what he did. It was just something indelibly. It's, I can still see him going to the left corner, taking the shot, and going in, and, you know, all the things after, Freddie Brown hugging, all the game, a great game, uh, you know, Patrick blocking shots to begin the game, all that stuff. I, I remember almost every play. And John Thompson was my best friend at that time, and I knew every one of the, you know, the, the Georgetown kids. It was, a, it was just a, a human instinct to, you know, you know, root for the Georgetown team. They were our team. They were a Nike team. And uh, there was Jordan, and I said Jordan. Just like whatever I did the rest of my life, instinctively I did those things. And it's a fact. It's not some, I'm not, I don't I need to BS, but that's how it happened. Just follow the bouncing ball.
0: You know, when you look at the enormity of uh, these deals and what uh, companies pay for their apparel deals today, I mean, it's not unusual for a top school uh, to get somewhere between 10 and, you know, $17 million a year for their sports apparel deals, whether it be from Nike or Under Armour or Adidas. Um, and, you know, what comes to a lot of people's mind, like when I – particularly if I discuss this with somebody that's really not in tune with the economics of college sports, is is it really worth it for these apparel companies to pay these vast sums uh, uh, to these schools uh, just to wear their sneakers? And, and, and you're – your answer is what?
2: Yes, and it, and it proven to be, and I wouldn't have thought, you know, I didn't know exactly what I was doing other than I would sell basketball shoes to high school kids. Now, in 77 and 2017, all these years later, 50, 60 years later, or 40 years later, you know, it's proven. I mean, Jordan himself is the third biggest company in the, in the world, Jordan Brand. And what it does, Michael, What? and I know some of the analysts that listen to your show, the, the real proportion is so much basketball shoes. It sells every other product in your line. And it started with T shirts and now you got all these different now you got you know uh got a whole category in athletic fashion, athletic fusion, whatever. But it all starts by the shoe. And I'll never forget Peter Moore and Rob's telling me someday, Sonny, there's gonna these kids that we're talking about that only wanted a pair of tennis shoes, Canvas at that time converse, well they're gonna wear a shirt, a short, a hat, a wristband and it's all going to be color-coordinated, and they're going to have outfits made up of athletic apparel. That's what it did. And one of the first things I learned, and I'll often repeat this, and again, you were, you were young at that time. There was a beautiful young lady named Farrah Fawcett who was skating on a skateboard down, down the boardwalk in Santa Monica, California. Okay, And she had on a pair of you know, the, you know, the, the, the blazer or whatever, whatever shoe that was. It was a Nike swoosh. That shoe hit whatever was U.S. entertainment at that time in the 70s. And I'll never forget when when, Rob and Peter, and obviously Phil, because he knew everything we were doing, he was never that much involved, but he obviously signed the checks. You know, he said, this is what we want. And certainly, soon enough, that's what we got. Sports Illustrated, Larry Bird wearing the shoe, you know, enjoying the the, the tournament. You know, every school winning all the championships. It's not so much basketball sells it's the sell of every other thing. It makes your brand. It makes your brand. Now you know and your business world knows other companies do other things, okay? In fact Reebok made a huge push in the in the mid eighties on soft leather dealing strictly with women. They they they, over, they started selling more than Nike in the mid eighties. That was that was the competition. You know, from Nike after even after we had Jordan, but today you have all these other companies in specialized shoes, even the dress shoes, even you know everything now has a connection to the buyer. Well, the buyer still and always will be the young people. Now, to go to your point, in fact, I think UCLA just signed a you know two hundred eighty million dollar fifteen year contract with Under Armour. I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, my God, you're right. There's not enough shoes in Westwood to you know, make up the 280 million over the years, but there's enough clothing, T-shirt, T. shirt I mean, the markup and the styles of these things is off the wall.
0: We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Brought to you by LifeLock. Equifax recently announced a breach of 143 million identities, and it seems like a good idea to take steps to get protection. Be among the millions who trust their identity theft protection to LifeLock. Go to lifelock.com. Use promo code Forbes for 10% off. Podcast One Sports presents Attack Each Day, the Harbaugh's podcast. Every Tuesday, you can hear Jack Harbaugh. We're going to attack this day
2: with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind.
0: Jim Harbaugh.
2: what the hell's going on around here?
0: And JT Rogan share their stories from on and off the field. Past guests include John Harbaugh, ESPN's Adam Schefter, and Pardon My Takes PFT and Big Cat. So don't miss an episode of Attack Each Day, the Harbaugh's podcast. Every Tuesday, exclusively on PodcastOne.com and the new Podcast One app. Just a sample of what's coming to Podcast One Sports. <laughs>
1: Springtime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. Everybody loves honey-glazed carrots, a great side dish for your springtime celebration, and a delicious compliment to a sweet, bright Moscato. Your Bloody Mary bar will be the talk of brunch with the vodka I'm stalking. Pile those toppings sky high. Serving lamb this season? Try it with a bold Cabernet from the trendy Paso Robles region. Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, Total Wine & More has you covered with 8,000 wines, 3,000 spirits, and 2,500 beers at always low prices. Cheers!
0: What well, you know... Was there a point along the history of this, uh, whether it was, you know, going back to when you were still very, very active or to just more recently, that sort of like it was the jump the shark moment where you said, you know what, Uh, they may have gone too far, not that there was anything wrong with the deal in ethically or, or legally perhaps in the size of it but where you said you know what the enormity of it is going to start getting too much attention or or the way the process is being handled uh, may uh, put the spotlight on it in a way that they don't want it to you know it's sort of like going back to what we were talking about earlier where sort of the unwritten rules if you will sort of changed
2: never in my life uh, if that would have been true I would have thought that I personally and the key I work for just never I never, I never, I didn't think that at all, and I never will, because in, in in the world that I've lived in, we didn't do anything wrong. I I don't. I, I'm not talking for what's going down now. I'm talking about you know the world that I lived in. Did I ever think that there'd be direct connection like there was in these cases? I have no idea what's going to come out of it. That's a whole different world, but that's also not the, not solely the proprietorship of the of the you know the company what what happened michael what you're trying to allude to the world has changed you know the money and greed has encompassed a lot more people than it was you know jerry tarkanian by himself signing a contract and opening the damn shoe shirt up in fact i think jerry still bought other shoes he didn't know they're gonna I, I mean that sincerely he didn't even know that we were going to ship the nike shoes my point is look how many people are now involved in this one particular investigation There are people that would not have been on the radar screen. The only name that would have been on the radar screen in 1977 would have been Rick Pitino's in this case, because he was the coach. No one else got involved. So what happened? By their own greed, you know, their own greed, Everyone there was more money in different vehicles connected to There's only one thing constant, Michael, and that's what your audience should hear. If nothing else comes out of here, the only thing constant was the athlete that everyone was trying to get to wear the product or make an investment with. That's the only thing. What you have now is the overt attempt by others who are supposedly mortally clean forever and ever, morally clean forever and ever, you know, run by rules that you asked me a question about fifteen minutes ago, perpetrated and given and you know, enhanced by a invisible group that has a mausoleum in Indianapolis worth billions and zillions of dollars and they pay themselves zillions and zillions of dollars to regulate these kids. And the money is off The wall. That football, you, in your wisdom, you didn't even include football in the thing. Football is not owned by the NCAA. Football is owned by those five, those five, uh, you know, the big five schools. How could you conceive? Why isn't it in somewhere in financial news? Financial news, not, you know, the sporting newspapers, financial news. Why in the hell don't they ever question how a commissioner of a league, in this case, Delaney, uh, from the Big Ten, I don't have nothing against Jim Delaney. I think I may, I may have been a once a while. I have nothing against the business prowess of these individuals. Just so you understand that, there's no personal vendetta for me to them. None. none. There's no, no, nothing connected to that. I just say, but how can we give him a twenty million dollar bonus for doing what? We uh, do, for doing the the contracts with TV, making the Big Ten Network. They certainly were very good business deals. Jim did a hell of a deal. So he's, they all did. The only thing Jim forgot to do, he doesn't want to give the people he's televising part of the money. He's televising the athletes. He's not televising Jim Delaney. That, that ain't happening.
0: Yeah. No. I mean, look, uh, you mentioned you know the five the five big conferences in, in in college that dominate sports. You know, the SEC, the Big Ten, uh, Pac twelve, Big Twelve, oh. you know, all those. Um, and then you look at the where sort of the big the segments if you will where the money comes from you know what we've been talking about the apparel then there's of course the tv money which is you know that was really first you know it seemed like they all the universities and then the conference i mean look at all the realignment i mean that's yeah. that's where a lot of this hypocrisy <laughs> seems that to have been so clear is it's like it's not about business and it's not really a business. Then why are all these schools switching conferences so they can get into these power conferences and be part of this? Where these huge TV deals are, and then after that, now you've seen the mushrooming of the apparel deals. Um, and then you know, I have to say it when I read something like this. It says in the Louisville case, which we were talking about, prosecutors said a hundred thousand dollars. Now think about this. $100,000, what that is, in the scheme of these billions and billions that are being spent on, that the universities and conferences are getting in TV money and apparel money, w- was supposed to be steered to a teenage player from Adidas. Now, you know, the world has stopped because of that, yet where was everybody, like, what What I wonder is, I guess what I'm driving at, is, it, Sonny. sunny, What what else could people think was going to happen when all of this other stuff was going on, like school switching conferences, new conferences being created, you know, billion dollar TV deals, uh, conference, the the salaries of coaches, assistant coaches? What do they what else could they expect to be happening?
2: Nothing. You know why? All they want are the games. They just want to watch their games, Michael. They, that's why then then the other side that has some sort of an axe to grind with the athlete, the only one the only one harmed here was that kid that was offered the money by the outside entities. To, but if it, if they don't have that kid, no one no one watches the games on television because television is not going to televise them. That's the whole thing. Your realignment thing is sacrosanct to the whole system because. This academic thing, I don't. we can't go into that in your program, but it's fraudulent. They're flying, you know, West Virginia is flying to Oklahoma to play a game, and they don't, you know, they don't stay in their own region like they did with the Big All these things, the Big East, the they were geographically, you know, put together originally. Just go look and see where they were. You know, they were all within, uh, you know, 500 miles of each other. And, and, and in the Big Ten, Iowa was a big jaunt, but it was connected only by 150 miles from Chicago. But my point here is... They realigned. I didn't do it. You didn't. They did it for their own convenience.
0: Um, I've tried to wrestle with what could be done um, uh, to perhaps help at least the athlete a bit in this. And I've always, I guess I've kind of been the last few years leaning towards at least giving the college athlete the opportunity to control his or her marketing rights. So that if uh, an athlete wants to go to uh, uh, Sonny Vaccaro and say, look, you know, uh, can you get me a marketing deal with Adidas? Uh, you know, and Adidas wants to do it fine. Let Adidas cut the marketing dual, uh, deal, pay the athlete. You know, the, the, if the school wants to stay, well, well we're still strictly amateur, you know, we're not paying the, 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 student that's, that's fine. And, and the deal, the athlete can market it, market his or herself. Um, and, and this way, also, the, whoever is is doing that deal for the apparel company, you know, doesn't have to uh, get involved in all this other stuff that's going on. I'd be curious about your thoughts about that or, or how this could be made better, if if possible.
2: The only honest way to do it would be what you just described and what I've been saying for many years. And I said a long time ago, it's documented, for historical purposes, is if I'm the athlete that's supposedly getting bribed by the outside world to do something illicit, then allow me to do my own deal and I'll pay for my own scholarship. Now you don't have to give me. I'll pay for my own scholarship. I will volunteer. And you, so what are you going to have? Oh, you're going to have an individual separated from the team. Well, Michael, allow me this for the next two minutes. The, I mentioned earlier that Under Armour signed a $280 million deal with UCLA. There's a young man who's one of the best football players in America, named Josh Rosen, who is uh, who plays quarterback. He's a he was when this story was started last spring, uh, and he still was a tr- Heisman Trophy candidate. R- forgetting all those, you know, those, those ridiculous awards at the end of the season, but go to Josh's ability. Josh Rosen came out publicly and said that college athletes are getting screwed. They should get paid. There's some way that this can be worked out. And then he said. I'm not in need. Josh Rosen's family is very successful, very wealthy. Josh Rosen is a a wonderful student at UCLA. He's done nothing illicit. You know, obviously he could have paid his own way. And he said he was basically, and I don't want to compare the circumstances, but they're very similar, the Jimmy Kimmel of, you know, uh, of uh, amateur athletes, because Josh said... Why don't you, these guys need it, my teammates. There are players that don't have anything. And Jimmy Kimmel said, my son, you know, doesn't need, thank God, the help of, you know, the the, the health insurance stuff. I can pay for it. Well, you know what? A lot of uh, Josh's teammates couldn't. So Josh couldn't do it. So now I get a call, 1st of September. I, a writer in L.A. called me, and I hadn't talked to him in years. I knew him obviously he knew me. Said, Sonny, I got a question to ask you. I said, Yo, sure, Jimmy. His name's not Jimmy. Sure, Jimmy. What is your question? Well, Under Armour just signed a two hundred eighty million dollars, fifteen-year deal with UCLA, and I knew that. And I said, Yeah. I said, What's what's what, what do you need? He said, Well, they just. They also they also have a five million dollar budget to market within that. $280 million every year to market UCLA athletics. I said, okay, I, I would understand. What's your question? I was trying to get to. Well, they did, they're now going to put billboards all over West L.A. on UCLA basketball. I said, oh, that makes sense. So I knew where he was going, but I needed him to tell me. He said, well, Josh Rosen's on the bill. That's where I wanted him. I was hoping he'd go. I didn't know he was going to do that. I said, interesting. What happened? He said, well, Josh is up there. And he's advertising UCLA basketball and Under Armour's underneath it. And, you know, come to our games, you know, buy tickets and do support, you know, sport. I said, good. I said, now, what is your question? Well, how did, you know, what do you think? Josh is the kid that didn't want to, you know, wanted athletes to get paid. I said, well, I'm glad you asked me that question, Jimmy, because here's your answer. I said, did he sign the waiver? Well, the waiver is what was a major thing in the O'Bannon trial for six years in court, okay? They... The universities ask these athletes, they they don't ask them, they tell you, to sign a waiver that they give up their name, likeness, and image into perpetuity. Otherwise, they own that picture forever. You don't even own your, when you graduate or leave school or die, they own it forever. Okay, perpetuity, that's what I think that means. Josh signed the the, the same one that we are fighting against, but he did what all athletes do. He didn't want to go against a team, he didn't want to make a stinker, so he signed over his rights. So my question to that guy, and to you and to your audience is this. So why is it that Josh Rosen couldn't, sign, couldn't make a deal on his own and put it up there and, and read the money? And if he wanted to give it to his teammates, we can do it around. But he owned his own image, and that's what they found. But, but no, through the unethical world that the NCAA and college athletes live, this is my best argument ever. UCLA could get Josh under threat of not playing for his team a contract, you know, vicariously through the university to support UCLA. Otherwise, UCLA got all the money from Josh Rosen's pitcher-upper in the wall and his teammates. His teammates are what the public go to see him by eighty thousand tickets on Saturday. That was the clear classic example. They stopped it. So your idea, my idea, you know, somebody's idea before time began. They stop you with their rules. That's why a difference between a rule and a law. In another, another form of law, you can't possibly under coercion of not allowed being allowed. That's coercion. I think Michael yeah. he couldn't play for his team. He couldn't play college ball, but he can play college ball and give me the money.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I hear you. I, I I agree with you a hundred percent. You know, at least in uh, professional sports. The athletes have their own union,
2: well, they, you they know. Have their so, own union,
0: so, right. So, the, but here, all the power rests with the uh, NCAA, and uh, you know, we'll leave the legal merits to that for for another show. But absolutely, um, you know, just in terms of the how the finances uh, are divvied up doesn't make sense at all to me and and i and i I cannot see any harm at all into allowing athletes to control their marketing rights uh it, you know the schools really would not be hurt at all uh financially they 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 really wouldn't and you know the the upshot of this in terms of where the money goes, like you said, without the athletes there there is no college sports you know there is no huge tv deal there there is no i mean look at all even the money going into new stadiums right now it's 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 like the way it was in pro sports over the past 20 years where do they think all this why do they think all this money comes there you know and then it goes back to what's going on in this case you know a hundred thousand dollars is being siphoned off to an athlete there's something very very wrong there and um I, I think that it really needs to be addressed because uh, it's, it's, you know, it's it's just not fair. You know, it's, it just doesn't seem right. And I've never heard the argument as to why it is right.
2: The only argument for why it is right is by the people who take the money. That's the answer subway in the colleges. It's right because they don't want to give it up. And it's been legally until this outlier, someone like me and others like me and the, and the athletes who have stood up over time, are questioning them. No one's ever questioned them. I had a phrase a long time ago, and when I first used it, is the way has always had the last word at the press conference. You've, you've covered press conference. You're, you're, you know, who you work for is huge in the world you guys live in. Who gets the last word? The guy standing up in a podium, right? And they say, Let's go, "Meeting over. No more questions." And they get the the last word at the press conference until. Until individuals and kids like O'Bannon and, and, and all the other kids, King Calder at Northwest, and all these athletes who have stood up, well, you know what? They're gathering now. And, I, you know, I, I'm up there in days and minutes and years, Michael, but I've watched the evolution and it turned from playing a sport to running a business. The people playing the sport are still the same people. The people running the business have no moral or ethical connection other than hyperbole to protect themselves. Nothing about the athletes.
0: Sonny, my last question to you is, do, do you get a sense at all uh, from looking at this current case as to whether it's going to, you know, get much bigger or it's going to have tentacles uh, into other schools and other investigations? Is, is, is there anything here suggesting that to you?
2: I, I'm going to say just on a personal opinion, the way you asked the question, Michael. Yes, I do. I think there'll be other names involved. I think, you know, connection, what there are. Anybody that's close to the thing. There are other individuals that could have been, you know, involved in you know recruiting these kids. And the most vulnerable people at this time was the athlete and the the assistant coaches. That was the most important thing to me in something that you never saw so deeply were the assistant coaches. And, and what are assistant coaches? They're the umbilical cord of the head coach, who's the umbilical cord of the athletic director, who's the umbilical cord of the thing. I think there are more names, but I also think. And I try to explain this uh, to my wife. And I said, the only problem here that I see that maybe it won't problem for the people involved would be th- the FBI may have been limited to this one particular vehicle. This, this, you know, they said because this, this, this guy in Pittsburgh, the, the, the Ponzi guy, the, the financial aid guy, they actually had the FBI in the interviews. I mean, I don't know if they could have done this universally. That, that's the only thing that, you know, they need they need proof. The NCAA needs accusations. There's a, there's a difference right there, law and thing. The, the government can only win this case if they have those tapes. You and I both know that. that that's the only thing. It's, a, it's an ab scam. I mean, they never would have caught those people, you know, 100 years ago if they weren't videoed and on tape. So are there other tapes in the tone the of our country? Are there really tapes?
0: (laughs) 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 That's a a, a great perspective. Hey, Sonny, it's been great having you on the show. I I really, really appreciate your insight, your time. You know, there's nobody with the knowledge of this business uh, that you have. And uh, uh, God bless you. and, And thanks a lot for coming on. And to everybody listening, thanks again for listening to Forbes Sports Money Podcast.
2: Thank you very, very much, Michael.
0: That's it for this episode of Forbes Sports Money. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with a comment or question, please email us at sportsmoneyatpodcast1.com. That's one.com. It's Jack Vanek from The Lady Gang. And if you haven't heard of our podcast, you are missing out. And this month, we are doing this series called Lady Gang Your Life, where we're having experts from every field come on, and they're giving their expert opinion on everything from social media to skin to hormone health. I think you guys are going to love it. So grab a mimosa and come hang out with us every Tuesday on PodcastOne.com, the Podcast One app, and Apple Podcasts.
1: Springtime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. Everybody loves honey-glazed carrots, a great side dish for your springtime celebration, and a delicious compliment to a sweet, bright Moscato. Your Bloody Mary bar will be the talk of brunch with the vodka I'm stocking. Pile those toppings sky high. Serving lamb this season? Try it with a bold Cabernet from the trendy Paso Robles region. Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, Total Wine & More has you covered with 8,000 wines, 3,000 spirits, and 2,500 beers at always low prices. Cheers!
0: I'm Ed Donahue.